He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. My guest today is a world-famous master magician. He's a juggler, comedian, musician, inventor, actor, and best-selling author. He's known for his work with his fellow magician, Teller, in the team of Penn and Teller. He's also known for his advocacy of atheism, scientific skepticism, libertarianism, and free market capitalism. This guy's got opinions, and we're going to hear about them today. He has a, he's a Las Vegas headliner. And he's at the Rio in a theater that's named after him and his partner, Penn & Teller. He's also the star of Penn & Teller Bullshit, as seen on Showtime. And he's even hosted a primetime game show called Identity. He was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars and even a contributor to the now-defunct PC Computing Magazine. I want to ask about that because I'm really curious to know all the other stuff and that. And he's been a big, big contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. Not one, but two season appearances, raising big bucks for his charity of choice, Opportunity Village. And my guest is Mr. Penn Gillette. Welcome, Penn. Well, nice to hear hear you, Jeff. Thank you. It's good to have you, my friend. Tell me, when you think about you and your partner, and I'll talk about that, um, I want to think of you as a business. How's your business organized? Because you, you're into everything. You're into movies, you're into television, you're into podcasting. We're going to get into all this stuff. But how do you organize it? Yeah, you know, uh, we are not, uh, we're not very good businessmen. We've ended up having a, a lot of success, but we're not very good managers. One of the things we do is, although Teller and I own everything, we hire our bosses. Yep. Which is um, for people who have to spend a lot of their time in kind of childish endeavors, uh, having grown-ups in charge of that, sometimes if you haven't got that ability, which some people have wonderfully, to change, to change hats um, and go from business person to, uh, business person to uh, artist, mm-hmm. if you're able to do that, uh, if you're not able to do that well, then you can hire someone that has a real sense of that stuff and put them in charge and then kind of forget that they work for you. Um, we have a guy, uh, Glenn Ally, who runs uh, I've met Glenn. in our office. Yep. Sure, you know yep. Glenn. And uh, Glenn is wonderful at this. So, you know, you, go, you come up with something like a Celebrity Apprentice and they say five weeks and Donald Trump and in New York and away from your family. Yeah, free hotel room. <laughs> cameras on you. Yeah cameras on you 20 hours, you know, 18 hours a day, uh, and uh, uh, edited, you know, in any way they want. And uh, Glenn says, you know, I think you should do this. And you say, no, I I don't want to. What's good about this? There's no upside to this whatsoever. And he goes, you know, there kind of is. You get to help a charity that you care about. Also, you'll sell a lot of tickets to your show. And also, on top of that, it's your job. Well, a lot of it. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I don't think it's quite right. I don't think I want to do it. And then Glenn says, you know, it's kind of your job. You hired <laughs> me to do my job, and my job is to tell you what your job is, and, you know, I think you're going to kind of do this. Right. And then sort of kicking and screaming. Now, at any second, any moment, I can say, wait a minute, Glenn, you work for me. The answer is no. Right. But why would I pay someone that much? 
to not take their advice. Well, that's a, that's a smart. That's that part smart. So, uh, so you go on, or I went on, and uh, it turns out to be better than he expected, and everything I said about it was wrong. Now, uh, that's I think a good way to to run your business: hire the best people you possibly can, and then trust them. Yeah. And I see that mistake being made by friends and peers of mine all the time where they hire someone who really does have wisdom and experience and then don't allow that person to do their job. Uh, Teller and I also uh, try to make sure uh, one of our big business things that we believe in very strongly is try to make sure that it's really hard to lose money on us. Yeah. Uh, many people I know uh, try to find deals where they're getting the best of somebody, you know? Yep. I know guys that have come to me and bragged that their deal at a casino to do a show was such a good deal that the casino couldn't make money. Oh, they're pay- you know, I got the most out of them possible. And I always think I want everybody that deals with Penn & Teller to make a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, well, you want win-win, right? Because if, if, yeah. it, if it's yeah. win-lose, it's not a good thing either way around, quite frankly. They, they, those deals have- always go bad. I had a great conversation. One of the people who could be considered our boss at the Rio, which is also Caesars, I ran into her at a um, at a charity event, and we had just finished negotiation for another four-year contract. And she said to me, very friendly and very happy, she said, you know, it was a great negotiation, but you probably could have gotten a little more money out of us. Yeah. And I said to her, and you could have probably gotten us a little cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty so, good. You know, that's what I want to feel. I yeah. want everybody that works with Penn & Teller to feel like, you know, I get a little bit of a better part of this deal. Terrific. Because then there's a good chance you'll do it again. Right. So, like, the deal, like, we'll get back to, well, let me get back to this. I really want to know. So, you've got you've got the TV stuff that you do, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've got the show in Las Vegas, which is a mainstay. And I, Are you in a long-term deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's until about three years after we're dead. Yeah, <laughs> which is you hope is a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. And then what else? What else? You got the podcast. You're making some. You got to be making money off the podcast, right? Yeah, we make a little bit. You know, yeah. we've got about a quarter million people that listen every week. Yeah, which is uh, that's pretty doggone good. That's a good number, right there. That's yeah. Podcast, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, I also do. You know, I have a I have a book that comes. I got to get a book out about every two or three years. Yep. I get a, I get a movie out about every two or three years. Now you um, on the movie side are you in it or are you producing it or both? I am uh, the uh, last two movies I've done, The Aristocrats and Tim's Vermeer. Tim's Vermeer I is was, awesome. Just I awesome. was in them briefly, yep. but I was mostly the producer. Uh, and the the new one that's coming out, Director's Cup, which is crowdfunded, which is a whole new way to run business. Right. Um, the new movie, Director's Cut, I am the villain in. Uh, I'm not the I'm not the lead in the traditional sense that I'm the good guy, but I'm I'm uh, I don't think I'm top building. We haven't fitting figured that out yet, but probably not. Uh, and I wrote it, and I'm the uh, I'm the producer. I do not direct. I will not direct. I think directing is for schmucks. Uh, <laughs> let other people direct. I will produce. I will write, and I will act. But I'm not a director. That's funny. What so when you when you think about these deals, what what makes a good business deal for you then? Well, you know, uh, I'm afraid, and this is I'm always a little embarrassed to say this when I'm talking to a grown up. Uh, but you, you I, consider I, me a grown up? Why do you consider me yeah, a grown up? A little bit. Yeah. 
uh, I uh, I tend to um, really start with the romance and really start with uh, what I want to do and then just nudge it here and there to make the business kind of sort of work. And I've had huge success with that. I mean, I know a lot of people who have a... Um, a plan for how the image is and how we take the next step and how we do this, right. how we're building the career. And I'm always kind of, um, uh, kind of a little bit envious of that way of wanting, running one's life to have a, to have a plan, to have an overall plan, to have a vision and a goal to go towards. I tend to not particularly have goals. I tend to get an idea. Like I get an idea for director's cut. Wouldn't it be great to have a movie that had a, truly unreliable narrator who'd stole all the footage from the FTP site and put together his own movie from someone else's movie <laughs> and then kidnapped the actors and made them do the movie the way he wanted to well, that's just with him the, to start. That's just end. your real life, man. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I got that idea for a movie, and I said, well, that, yeah. that's pretty great. And then I, uh, I uh, decided it'd be really hard to write, so I wanted to prove I could write it, so I wrote it. And I showed it to... Uh, writers who seem to really like it and directors who seem to really like it and then went shopping it around to uh you know film yeah. companies to, to the system right you yeah and and i got i got really good reaction and it's not impossible uh i would have gotten it made that way mm -hmm. but i had this director who'd done a few movies but not any big movies that i loved and the studios are kind of going we got to kind of kind of put a bigger director on this and I had a style of actor for the woman to play the lead that I wanted, and they wanted to pump that up a little bit. Well, they and, have a well, they have a formula for this stuff, right? I mean, they pretty much follow the the, the yeah. franchise. So, and it's a and it's a fine formula. You yeah, know, work, it's working, to. right? It's working for it's a lot working, of them. And also, you don't want to. I mean, I I don't want to appear cynical. Not only is it working in terms of making the money, but it's also putting out movies that people truly enjoy you right. know? Yep. and my only real beef with um with the way show business is run is that everyone's trying to get a home run every time right and they forget you know if you look at a supermarket you've got potato chips and coca-cola which make all your money you know that's where all your money is is in the sugar liquids and the um and the snack foods yeah that's where the markup is. And then the supermarket aisles also have, you know, oil-cured Greek olives, mm -hmm. which are not their big sellers. They can't support the show. They can't support the, um, the store. They can't do any of that. But, you know, every time you buy those, they make a couple of cents. And if you look at the whole history of supermarkets, your olives have made a little something. And there's a lot of people that love those olives and they're part of what makes the supermarket work. I wish in show business they were a little more aware of, you know, we can make this movie and we can make it for a million and a half and it'll make, by the time we advertise it and put all that stuff in, it'll cost us three, three and a half. Right. And we could probably make four and a half on it. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I, so, yeah, Penn, I get it, because I'm doing the same thing on C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio, the stuff that we're doing. It's not going after the masses. It's only going after certain business executives, So, and, but we're making great money on it, you know? D yeah, you know, you got, you got, you know, knocking on 
400 million people in this country, if you can please 1% of them, it's, you're doing really well. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, you, and you can make some really good money there. Yeah, Is that the way Tim's Vermeer started? You know, I called you, you remember? You might remember this, yeah. and, and you and I love to have conversations. I love, you know, just having a great dinner with you as we've had and, and just talking about all kinds of stuff, and we don't always agree on things, which, which he makes for better conversation. But I called you right after I landed. I was on a flight to Oslo, uh, Norway, and I watched this movie, and I didn't even know you'd been doing it, and I was just blown away by it. I tell everybody to go watch this movie. That's one of those kinds of movies, right, where it's got a it's got a real niche for it. It's got a real following. It's so interesting. It's just mesmerizing, but yet it's not, not for the masses, quite frankly. Yeah, oh, you know, I... The way that movie was made uh, was was, re- was really funny. Uh, Tim Jennison, the star, the movie, the subject of the movie. I yep. guess it's a it's a documentary. It's a subject, not a star. But Tim, uh, we've been friends for twenty five years, and Tim is the uh, you know uh, the creator of New Tech. He's a He's, savant. Uh, He's a savant in imaging, right? I mean, he really. Yeah, is. Oh, yeah, just just yeah. amazing and. Um, He's a wonderful, wonderful businessman. I mean, what he what he will call himself is a businessman. And uh, I was I had spent a few months, and I realized that I had not had a conversation with anyone who was not in my family, or I was not getting paid for. Mm. I hadn't had a conversation with a friend, so I called up Tim, and uh, uh, who's a good buddy of mine, lives in Texas. And he says it was a panicked phone call. I don't remember it that way. And I said, you know, Tim, I haven't talked to anybody in a while that's outside of my family or not getting paid for. Come on out and have supper with me. And Tim jumped in his plane, flew out from Texas, and we went to one of these, you know, Brazilian steakhouses. Yep. And I sat down with him and I said, uh, Tim, here's what I need out of you. Talk to me about something that has nothing to do with my job, nothing to do with show business. Just talk to me. Like, you know, like we used to in New York. Yeah, just, pi- just, yeah just pick a topic out of the hat and let's go. Yeah. Right? And uh, Tim said, well, what do you know about Vermeer? And I said, well, you know, the first page of Wikipedia probably off the top of my head. And Tim said, well, you know, I'm going to paint a Vermeer in my garage. And then Tim reached into his phone and showed me video of this system he was using to paint and said he would turn over his, uh, his business. He had hired a CEO and you know, maintained full ownership of his business, but he turned it over to someone else, and that his daughters had gone away to college, and he was just going to do everything with Vermeer for the next few years of his life. And I said, well, Tim, you have failed. Mm-hmm. You have failed miserably, <laughs> because I told you to talk about something that has nothing to do with my business, and by the way, this is a movie. Yeah. And Tim said, nobody cares that I'm gonna find out how Vermeer painted his paintings and I'm going to do this in my garage nobody cares and I said well you it's a little bit wrong not everybody cares but you can't say nobody cares because there are enough people who care this should be a movie and Tim just did not agree with me and we went out and tried to pitch it yeah and um I was a real uh I was a real uh detriment to the pitching because people thought well this is pen He's probably lying about this. It's probably some sort of scam. It's probably some sort of see if we can get the Hollywood producers to believe. Although it's, 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 it's although it's somewhat tied to to a little bit of you. You always uncover deceptions, and to some extent, I think yeah. Vermeer was uncovering a deception to some extent because yeah. yeah. you thought, yeah, he, I mean, he faked it. 
but but it was a it's a real painting and all those things. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's very talented, unbelievable what he did. Mm-hmm. So I, I can, about it. yeah. So I can see that they could do that. Did you have to end up fun, financing this yourself? Or that, yeah. that was the whole thing. Yeah. We went uh, we went to a bunch of people, and it just started moving slow. Yeah. And Tim, uh, you know, he's a he's a really successful businessman. Well, he could have and financed it himself too, probably. I would imagine. If, from, yeah. if you're a successful businessman, the speed that Hollywood goes and pitch meetings oh, are God. exasperating. Yeah. No. And I, after. Yeah. Or after television, about, or television, quite frankly, yeah, same way. After about eight pitch meetings that each went two hours with people that Tim had trouble talking to, Tim and I went out. And we, we were still doing fine. We had did they even know who? Ver, did they even know who Vermeer was? Uh, some of them yeah. did. <laughs> you, you know, because yeah, I'm. I mean, it's a it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, these guys are a little bit shallow. So, and uh, we were out, and I just said uh, we were sitting down, and I said, "Yo, Tim, we could just make this." And Tim said, well, what are we looking at for budget, you know, really? And I said, you know, we can make this for a few hundred thousand. And Tim went, oh, let's just make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that's... The was that, was, was, that, did that, was that the budget? I mean, just a couple hundred thousand, or was it, did it... No, no, up? by the time we were done. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nutty way to make a movie because the world is changing so quickly that you no longer even rent cameras. Right. You just buy red cameras. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an eight grand expense or whatever it might yeah, be. And yeah, and it, it's crazy because, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, this movie could not have been made 10 years ago because we had 2,400 hours of footage. Was it you shot? In, was not, it all? Was it film or was it? Uh, was it? Uh, it shot, was shot with reds. Okay, all reds. High def. Yeah. Okay. All, high def reds. But the thing is, we have every brush stroke that he made. We have from at least three angles and usually five. Sure. Sure. And so uh, you couldn't. You know, when, when, before we had storage being cheap. When you were in celluloid, this this movie would have been the most expensive movie in history. I mean, it's mm. it's ten times the footage that Apocalypse had or Days of Heaven. Which would, it would that would be in the millions of feet, by the way. Just so everybody knows, yeah. I'm, having been yeah. with Kodak, that would have been a lot of fo- a lot of film. Anything over a million of foot is is huge. So yeah, so it's 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 really nutty that it, we did that, and actually. We finally got Teller to uh, direct it, and uh, he wasn't even. You would have thought that was our uh, that was our first choice, but Teller came into the project fairly late after Tim and I were already going to make it. And I just went, "What's exactly the feel?" And it wasn't until we had the movie really laid out clearly as to what the project was and how we wanted to do it that Teller seemed like the perfect director. Well, I but didn't even know, know, I didn't uh, even know he was the director. I mean, I I should have caught that, but I didn't even catch that. That's awesome. And and you know, my last uh my last movie before that, The Aristocrats, mm-hmm. was also one that I funded myself. Yeah, you family know? a family film, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh about the dirtiest joke yeah. ever ever told. And you know, uh there was a, a Cocteau said that, you know, film wouldn't be art until the tools were as cheap as a pencil and paper. Right. And I realized that for most of the world, uh, uh, film, movie making equipment is still very, very expensive. 
But you know there are feature films now being shot on iPhones. Oh, there's it's we don't even know what we're going to see and and the future for that. Well, has it been a, a financial success for you? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean every movie that uh, we've done. I mean the Aristocrats was was very successful. Um, Tim's Vermeer was very successful. Once again, very successful, like really successful oil cured Greek olives. Yeah. Not successful like Coca-Cola, yeah. but that's what I'm going for. I, I don't need, uh, I don't need the whole world. I'm very, very happy with the people that. You know, there seems to be plenty of people who like what I do to support me more successfully than I ever dreamed of, and that's fine. You don't have to. I mean, I. Whenever someone's getting into show business, I, I always tell them, you know. Look for a look for a niche where you can be comfortable and happy. You don't have to be David Letterman. Yep. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. You know, um, uh, feral. You don't have but, to uh, do everything get, right. Let me get into get, get back to the business piece of it with you know Gwen, sure. who your guy that you got hired. He's your adult in the business, so to speak. Yeah. Do you do you have you not listened to that advice? Does it cost you a lot of money over the years? Uh, I mean, you're, you're a contrarian. You are. You you know that. That's am, part of your. That's part of I your am, stick. And but I'm, I'm pretty good about that. Uh, uh, Teller takes the reins. Uh, he takes it off autopilot a little more than I do. I try very hard. Um, well, you, but you have to remember uh, when I when I brought the aristocrats to my business people, mm -hmm. I said to them. I don't expect to make money on this. It's going to cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars, and I consider that to be thrown away. And they said, okay, as long as you consider that to be thrown away, and as long as you consider that the amount of time you spend on this is an amount of time you could be making money somewhere else. As long as you know that, you're buying a lottery ticket, and it could be successful. Now. We're talking about successful in two different ways. Right. Artistically, very, very successful. If you said to me, is there anything else you could have done while you were doing Tim's Vermeer that would have made more money for Penn and Teller in the long run, the answer would probably be, well, of course, sure. there's something yeah. else I could have done. Right. But, you know, you have to remember that while you're doing business, you're also living your life. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's a balance sometimes, and I say this too, because I'm, you know, I'm from South Dakota, and and I go, geez, sometimes I can go make a lot more money doing something, but I got enough, or and, and I don't want to say it like that because that's how we keep score, and it, I still want sure. it, but it, it mm -hmm. I don't need the, I don't need to rape the, you know, rape the deal to make it happen to get the most out of it. I'm okay with making enough like this because it's enough. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, also, I, I think you're saying the same thing in that, in that regard. In terms of you, you're here promoting the artistry, which is a value to you, and you put as much value to that as you do the real dollars you make on the bottom line. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortinet. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You are listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. But, it, but the other thing that's important to remember, and this is something that, you know, uh, my dad, who, you know, was was a very hardworking man, 
um, he 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 had his mind blown by the fact that I was choosing between what project I wanted to do the most in order to support myself, as opposed to what project I hated doing the least. <laughs> right. Well, but you also, you know, you, you've got the options. I mean, your dad, what, he worked in a county jail, right? I think your mom yeah, was a, yeah. a secretary as well. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you didn't yeah. come from, from uh, riches, so you've had to work, no. work your way through it. Well, right. But, you know, the, the idea that if, if, I, if I had not made Tim's Vermeer and I had done the thing that the business people told me would make me more money, Guess what? I would have loved doing that too. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> which is good. That's it's it's good to be have all of those options and all of them available. You know, you've you've kind of someone described your style as pulling back the curtain on things, and but it's a lot more than that. I think you like to do it with some shock, right? I mean, that's part of sure. it. It's sure. it's like you know, yeah. Let me show you the trick, but here's the real thing, and there's always some underlining meaning. Is that? See, when you said you, you don't plan things out, I think you do plan things out along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, is, there, there are themes that, uh, that go. But, you know, people who are, you know, Jay-Z, people like that in show business, mm-hmm. really look at how do we hit this exact demographic that exact month. That's what I mean by the planning. Yeah, the, it's, it's, a, it's a pre preconceived notion of who we want to be and where we want to go. So they're doing a brand mapping of want it to look sure. like this, sound like this. You got to have this look, and you're just mm-hmm. saying, no, let's do it for the real for the real yeah. thing of doing it, right? This will be fun. You yeah. know, this will be fun. People might like this, and I do try to think. I mean, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to pass myself off as uh, purely a ethereal on this or purely creative i also think you know this is a project that i think you know several hundred thousand people would like and that's that's a bunch of people uh it's just not not trying to hit everybody you know i i do like uh i think that uh you want art to be a roller coaster you want there to be a collision between um the visceral and the intellectual when you're on a roller coaster and you go down that big thing, your, your, your guts say, we're going to die. And your intellect says, you know, if they killed everybody, their insurance rates would be too high. Yeah. We're not going to die. Right. Uh, and those two things colliding is really, really exciting. And I think that the stuff that I like in art does that the most, too. The really visceral kick with also the, um, the intellectual gloss over it. And giving away secrets, exploring secrets. You know, there's the really highfalutin way to describe magic is it's a uh, it's a playful study of epistemology. It's a playful way to study how we get knowledge and how we determine what's real, and that's a very important issue. And as technology comes along, and we get more and more uh, interaction with other people, and there's more and more um, uh, uh, asymmetrical interaction where someone who's in the public eye can also talk to someone who's not uh, the more of that there is the ability to ascertain what's true and what's not whether you're actually getting information from president obama or whether it's a 14 year old in his garage um that issue is just huge and important it's always been one of the most important human issues but now it's become uh, everything's gone into into much much more of a hyperspeed on that. So I'm fascinated by that stuff. I'm fascinated by uh, 
how we lie to each other and how we ascertain the truth. So let me take a break here for a second because I got to have sure. a little bit of coffee and and I got a great sponsor that's Dunkin' Donuts and we all know America runs on on donuts and I am running on Dunkin' right now. What's your favorite coffee, Penn? Well, you know that's that's the thing that's nuts. You you, you when I would I was doing a, a radio show one morning and they brought in this. I only drink decaffeinated coffee. Really? Uh, and uh, oh, yeah. that that that, that's, that surprises me, man. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I'm a, I'm a real nutty, no drug guy. So there's yeah, no I, caffeine. I, I do know that you you don't like any of that. Now a lot of people would think, uh, hey, here's a guy who wears red nail polish on one of his nails. He's got to be, and he's got a ponytail. You got to be into drugs, but you're not. And uh, they brought in, you know, they brought me in a cup of coffee, and it was just so good. And I was expected to say, you know, this is one of those, you know, five dollar cups of coffee. Yeah. And they had just poured because they had a camera there, a web camera. They had poured the uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee into a regular mug and it's really good doesn't it, it win good. like every taste test or something oh it, it, it wins great stuff and not only that I, I i just started drinking coffee a few months ago and i drink i like the espressos and i drink like you know four to eight double espressos a day i like Are Dunkin' donuts doing that yeah sure you can get them you're dang right you can get espressos yes of course you can okay man. yeah i'm going this afternoon i'm Go. going this afternoon <laughs> hey let me ask you a question um Somebody asked, I, I go to fans, you got a, you got millions of fans, um, I hope to someday have that kind of, uh, ooh, just excitement, and I ask fans to ask questions, because I like to get what they like to say, just I know, sure. like, like I know that you love fans, because I've been to your show a number of times, because you've always invited me, you're always so nice to my family, and you stick around, and you meet with all these fans after your show, a lot of people don't know that, but the fans well, it turns that. out it turns out that people that like our show are people that I kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's, that's a good a, deal. It's not a hardship. Yeah. So Isaac Duncan asks, is how do you find the energy to podcast when it isn't your main job? I, I don't know. I like it. You know, it's yeah. just, uh, as I said, you know, I'm from a, from a small town in Western Massachusetts. Uh, I considered my chances to be, uh, to be in show business to be almost zero. And I haven't forgotten what it felt like to be 15 and wish that I could get anybody to read anything I wrote or listen yep. to anything I said. And when there's an opportunity that comes up, it's very difficult. I would say the biggest problem I have in my life is saying no because the stuff that's offered me is so wonderful and so fun. And I feel guilty when I think back on at 15 years old how badly I would have wanted to do this. Yeah. Hey, Chastity Colton wrote in... Um, on Facebook and said, what's the scariest business decision you've ever made in your journey thus far, and how did you make it? And at this point in your game, do you still fear failure? That's a good question. Those are good questions. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I feel fear failure uh, quite a bit, but Teller has always said that uh, his favorite quality that I have is I focus completely on the worst-case scenario. What's the worst that can happen here? And then I prepare everything for that. And I assume we can take this hit. And if we can take this hit, we'll go ahead. Yeah, so once uh, you make just, the decision, I'm going to, here's the worst that could be, and it's okay, we're willing to do it. Anything above yeah, that's just, gravy, right? I mean, you heard me say this earlier the aristocrats. I lose 250 grand, and I've wasted three years working on this. Can I do that? Sure. Let's go. Mm-hmm. The hardest one of those was in 19. 19- 82, Teller and I were very successful. We were working Renaissance festivals. 
we were working carnivals, we were starting to break into the cruise ship market, and we were doing some industrial corporate shows. And we were making uh, more than our dads had made mm -hmm. in their lives. I mean, yep. that was a joke, guard. Yep. Uh, making a middle-class living. We were doing exactly what we wanted. We were really proud of our work. And uh, we had decided that that was our life. And then one day I took Teller aside and said, you know, uh, we're, we're 30 now. Uh, you know, we're in our early 30s. Our late 20s, I guess we were. Um, we can keep this. At this time, we did all the business. Teller wrote yeah, all the you were contracts. Yeah, you were doing everything. You were managing the checkbook, or probably Teller was managing oh, did, the checkbook. Or no, did, no, I did, all the, I did all the bookkeeping. Did you really? I, I would have thought Teller. All the books, are, I all thought the books are still in our business managers in all of my handwriting. Do you, very, very do you still sign all every check? Do you sign the checks? Uh, no, I don't. I do not. Huh. You see, I know uh, I've always kept this this premise, and I found out Oprah did this, and and yeah. someone in my family always takes care of that. So we have you know, some, that's, yeah. that's probably the wise way to do it, but I don't. Mm -hmm. So I said to Teller, if we're going to go for a theater audience, for a slightly larger audience, we should do it now. I said we have in our business under a hundred grand, but we have about eighty grand. If we turn down all the work we've got, all the Renaissance festivals, all the corporate shows, all the stuff we've been doing for a few years and worked so hard to get, if we say no to all of those and just do little theater shows that we produce ourselves, we have a chance of that catching on and moving into the theater market instead of the you know carnival corporate market. I suggest we take our 80 grand and we roll the dice and we take two and a half years and see if we can get the reviews and build up and start to do this. And I said, it's going to be really scary because we're used to having checks coming in and now checks are going to be going out and there's no way we'll do it in less than a year. And we probably can't do it in two and a half. But I believe if we, after two, go back to the what we're comfortable with we can build back up our business and get back here you want to give it a shot and i said here's the money we will lose here's the years we will lose here's how long it'll take to get back to where we are tell i had a long meeting about that decided okay let's give it a try and then we went and what's really funny about this is that teller believed my plan completely <laughs> but a year into my plan, I went, oh, no, 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 no. And I started calling all the places. <laughs> oh, geez. So we had said no and said, can we, can we get in? Can we, can we get in? It was, it was too late to book them. Yep. And, and, you know, son of a gun, two years almost to the day we opened off Broadway. And uh, What was that, like 1981 or something like that? We started this plan in like the end of 82 mm -hmm. and 84 we opened off broadway and got wonderful reviews and have since you know uh we went from uh making no money for about two years to off broadway just about tied what we were doing in the carney and corporate market and then of course when we went to broadway it ended up being a good business decision but boy was yeah, that scary. scary? And boy, did I want to change my mind. I want to say that Teller had the clear focus and bravery to plan the dive and dive the plan, and I ran scared.
That's, but that, you know, but, that, that's interesting. Let me ask you about the partnership because you know, in your stage personas, he is the silent one. Is it that way behind the scenes with you guys on the business? No, no, no. Teller yeah. is a uh, Teller is a, essentially the director, and I'm essentially the writer and producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I but, but how about on the business? How about in the business side? On the business side. On the business side, I probably do a little more of the branding and the guiding than Teller does, but neither one of us do a whole lot. And uh, we both, you know, there's a few things that make our partnership uh, go well, and that is, you know, neither one of us drugs, neither one of us, you know, gambling or anything makes us not have safe money to go. Uh, neither one of us is ever late for anything. You know, we show up at meetings on time, and we uh, do what we say we're going to do. So, so Teller, you, you, one of the reasons we have a partnership that's lasted so long is that Teller is the best partner you could possibly have. That makes for a, like a, almost like a great marriage, quite frankly. Yeah, right? yeah. Do you, um, I'm sure you've had to have agreement disagreements or so from time to time, right? In terms of business. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, that our disagreements tend to be artistic, and we love those. That's what we're living for. Uh, one of the things that Teller and I believe very strongly is we both hate compromise and will not compromise. So when we disagree on something, there we we never meet in the middle, and one of us never gives up. We find a third alternative that we both think is better than what we brought to the table. And if we can't do that, the idea just dies. You know, let me ask a, a real practical thing. I know this is going to sound crazy, but, you know, when I have partners in business, we insure each other. You mm-hmm. know, do you guys do that, too? Yeah, we have, yeah. We have, uh, we have insurance uh, uh, on each of us. Yeah, we also have, although it's not up to date, in, I think, 1980, we, we did a complete uh, dissolving of the partnership when we were the happiest with our partnership. We said, if we break up tomorrow. Right. These are the props you get. Here's yep. the rights you get. Here's the stuff you get. This is all laid out. And I, I wish I could say we've kept that up to date, but it just hasn't been worth it. You well, know, the well, but you, but you kind of you need to do that, though. I mean, I do yeah, that with yeah. my partners. We and we go through the worst case scenario. If I die, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want, uh, I don't want my wife involved in the business, so to speak. And so, because mm-hmm. she, because she doesn't want to. She just wants sure. to check, and she wants out. And the same thing, I don't want his wife or or the other sure. spouse in the business. I want that, and we go through those things and have that hard discussion. And but you guys, yeah, have I know, that, right? Yeah, we, we we go through that and uh, and do that and uh, and ha- have it all. We have it all laid out in, in pretty good in pretty good shape. It's just good. Uh, you know, you, you got to do that. I also want to say, as part of the uh, the preparing for the worst, you know. Uh, our contract off-Broadway, uh, we still have our business people bring it up and laugh at it because we wrote the contract. <laughs> right, right. And the contract off-Broadway is the most carefully tailored piece of paper for failure you've ever seen <laughs> with nothing there for upside. Right. It is, you know, our plane tickets must be paid for to get back home in advance. Yeah. We will not unload the trucks. 
we get all our props back. We get this much in advance. Our apartments will be paid. Yeah. Everything is laid out. And it's a, it's a joke to my business managers who they go, we've never seen anyone not prepare for an upside. Yeah. There's no talk about what happens to the profits. Yeah, this we were is, just making sure yeah. that we didn't, you know, we didn't get destroyed by it. Yeah, or, or and get stuck in New York and not get home. At least get right, home. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. sure. Exactly. And but if you and by the way, if you start thinking like that, that's usually how it ends up. But luckily for you guys, it didn't didn't happen. I know. I, I'm I'm I know that that's common wisdom. But Keller and I always prepare. You know, when we make our contracts with the Rio, it's you know what happens if there are 200 people a night. Yeah. You know, if it's 1,400 people a night. We know that's easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, let me get, let, give you a chance because we're wrapping up here. What shameless plug? Anything you want to plug? Because you've been so great to me. And I, by the way, I want to keep doing this, but uh, have you back on because you and I could talk for hours, and we have many nights. That's wonderful, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, always the Ben and Telly show at the at the Rio in Las Vegas, and we have two television shows. Uh, uh, Wizard Wars and Penn and Teller's Fool Us that are, that are fun magic shows on TV. And there's also a uh, charity that I know you've helped me with a lot. And I yep. thank you for that. Yep. Uh, that's Opportunity Village in, uh, in Las Vegas, which is a way to treat people with intellectual disabilities that doesn't warehouse them, but actually helps them get jobs and helps them be, be part of the world that we live in and trying to deal with them in a slightly different way. And it uh, turns out that this is one of the things that Vegas does really well. Well, and it's a great, great charity. I know which one you're talking about. You mentioned him just a minute ago. My brother-in-law has cognitive disabilities, and he's in a, a program just like that, and it, and it's just wonderful to see you do that kind of work. And you're a great guy, and I know you're a great defender of the Constitution, a great defender of the country, and, and an entrepreneur all the way around. And I love talking to you. I want to get you back on because I want to find out the real secret behind that red nail. I'll lay that on you someday. Yeah, because there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there about that, and I want to get to the bottom, and we'll do that. But I, I appreciate it. Everyone, go and see Penn and Teller, no matter what they're doing, where they're doing it. Get there. These guys are great. Thanks so much, Penn. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you, Jeff. Bye-bye. All right, cheers. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortinet. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. It's All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on play.it. And if you want to reach out to me, do so on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. I'm the guy that's answering all of those tweets, all of those posts, and all of those links. So come and get the good, the bad, and the ugly on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.